Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I think that once I figured out that I was queer, had lived a little bit of a queer life for a few years, I think that that just changed every sort of movie that I dreamed up in my head. I'm Jessica Bennett. And I'm Susie Banacarum. And this is In Retrospect, where each week we revisit a cultural moment that shaped us. And that we just can't stop thinking about. Most of the time we look at the past, but sometimes we want to hear from someone who is changing the pop culture future. Today, we're handing over the pod to our amazing associate producer, Sharon Atia. She's talking to Emma Seligman, the director of the delightfully funny gay fight club comedy, Bottoms, which Harper's Bazaar called a horny masterpiece. Hi, I'm Sharon Atia. I'm the associate producer and researcher on the show, and I also happen to be Emma Seligman's best friend. Emma is the writer and director behind my favorite movies of all time, Shiva Baby and Bottoms. Shiva Baby is this claustrophobic indie hit that follows a college student who runs into her sugar daddy and ex-girlfriend while at a shiva with her parents. And Bottoms is a recent blockbuster about two lesbian losers who start a high school fight club to try and lose their virginities to the hot cheerleaders. Since Emma's films are redefining the canon of queer comedies, movies that we'll for sure look back on in retrospect, and because these are exactly the kinds of things that Emma and I talk about, I invited her on to chat about movie making today, queer representation, and how that's changing. Here's our conversation. Hi, Emma. Hello. (laughs) That's my intro for you. I love Um, that. That's such a sweet intro. So for our listeners who don't know your meteoric rise and just every amazing thing that you've ever done, maybe we'll give them just some brief background. Yeah. Okay. I'm from Toronto, where I am right now. And I feel like I just grew up in a family of film lovers, no one in the industry, but in a community of of people who love watching movies, which is honestly most of the city of Toronto, I would say, because of TIFF, the film festival here. There's just something about living here where everyone's very culturally in tuned with what's out. And I was always interested in movies. 
When I was nine, I submitted a movie review for this contest to become a juror for the kids film festival that TIFF ran. Do you remember what the movie was for that you wrote the review? So my parents never took me to kids movies and they barely let me watch kids TV shows if they were in the room because they were bored by them. Um, (laughs) So because this was my choice, because I got to see the movie, I really wanted to see this Ice Cube movie called Are We There Yet? A comedy about how far one man will go. Hey, how you doing, baby? I want to say hi to the kids. Hey! I love you. To become part of the family. And I ended up writing a bad review, uh, which I didn't expect to do because I think I was so snobby from the taste that my parents had instilled in me that I was like, this was cheesy and unrealistic. And I think I was the only kid that submitted a review that was like a bad review. But yeah, I did that, that festival. And that was the first time I'd really seen a lot of foreign films and independent films. And so, I don't know, I feel really lucky. My parents encouraged me to like, watch movies whenever I wanted. I didn't do sports or anything like that. So it was just like, that was my hobby. Same. (laughs) Um, Girl, same. uh, Girl, same. We all had to find something. And then I started directing theater in high school. And because I really loved acting for fun. And then I just learned more and more about acting through our drama program, even though it wasn't like an art school. It was just had good teachers. And I was really lucky. My mom was very encouraging about me going to a U.S. school, which is not an easy decision to make when you're not from the U.S. But I just figured if I got in and if they were going to spend that kind of money, then like I really needed to be serious about whatever I was choosing to pursue. And then that's how I sort of came to movies. And how you came into my life because you moved to New York. To go to NYU and we met, I want to say, within the first week of school. Mm -hmm. Welcome week. That was like the first time we hung out. That was 10 years ago. And since then, we've both come out uh, as not straight. (laughs) Love that for us. So let's talk about the intersection of those two things, your queerness and your movie making. So your first film was Shiva Baby, which was a short film, your thesis film, and then you went on to make the feature, the set of which I got to be on for a couple of days, which was just so fun to be a fly on the wall and see you make that film. But it was so different from Bottoms and that was like a tiny non-existent budget indie. And then Bottoms was this like huge, your first big studio film. You have a huge cast, so many extras, these big high school scenes, but like at its center are these hilarious, incredible queer characters and Shiva Baby, which also stars Rachel Sennett, also has a bisexual character as the lead. And so did you always know that you wanted to make movies with queer characters at the center or that just kind of happened organically? I think that happened organically. I think that especially for Shiva Baby, what drew me to that story was the Jewishness of it. I mean, I've known that I've that I'm Jewish for far longer than I've known that I'm queer. I think as a kid, I saw myself more in the Jewish characters and got more excited and and seeing Jewishness on screen. That's so interesting. I'd only seen Jewishness portrayed on screen with a little bit of hokiness and like stereotype, super stereotypical characters, especially when it came to Jewish women, you know, like the Jewish mom. So I've always been driven by telling Jewish stories because that's my world. Those are the characters that I know the best, especially going into college, like before I really had a sense of myself and my identity as a as a young person or as an adult 
or as a queer person or as a woman, even like, I think that I felt like, okay, I, I got this community down. Mom, 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 who died? Abby. Uncle Morty's second wife sister, you remember her? No, I don't think so. Hmm. She used to play bridge with Bubby. Really? Yeah. Oh, Mama, I can't eat that. Why not? I'm vegetarian. You're killing me. I've told you it so many times. You have not eaten a single thing all day. That's because we just got here. You look like Gwyneth Paltrow on food stamps. Oh my God. And not in a good way. While developing the short film in school, like the, my thesis, it wasn't about this bisexual love story. It was about this girl you know, coming face to face with her lack of self-worth. And running into her sugar daddy at a shiva. Running into, yes, running into her sugar daddy at a shiva. and Incredible premise. And sort of letting that make her feel like a little child. And that was the sort of main focus of that. And then I started getting more curious about queer characters in other genres of movies. I think Transparent really changed the game in terms of... Kind of like, that uh, intersection of both of those things, right? Like yeah. seeing Jewish characters and different types of queerness and like different relationships with sex. And real characters too. Now that you want to be a woman all the time, do you still want to date women? Yes. I mean, Sheldon's still me. So you're a lesbian? Well... So we got gay married before it was fashionable. That sort of was a real moment of feeling seen in so many ways all in one. And that, at that point, I was out. Yeah. I barely understood my queerness yet, but I was aware of my identity. And also there's characters in that show who are discovering their sexual identity. Right. Many of them are discovering their queerness in different ways. Yeah. And so with Bottoms, did you know that you wanted it to be this like queer teen comedy or did you want to make a teen comedy and the queerness just followed? I knew that I wanted to make a teen comedy and that I wanted it to be queer from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, there was no, we'll see what the sexualities of these characters are. We teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves against the evil Huntington killers. They are grateful to us. We build a community. We bond. We share. We connect. We're punching each other. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the mouth. I think that once I figured out that I was queer, had lived a little bit of a queer life for a few years, I think that that just changed every sort of movie that I dreamed up in my head. But I really missed the teen movies of our childhood and of just before our childhood that really honored the teen characters as humans and as people and honored them with quality filmmaking that at the time I don't think we appreciated because teen movies would always get bad reviews, especially if they were female driven, like it was cheesy and unrealistic and they were repeating the same sort of storyline about a bet or some sort of lie or, right. you know, d turning Shakespeare on its head or whatever. So that was part of why I wanted to make a teen movie. And I think also one of our producers, Elizabeth Banks, says something like, you can't underestimate how much young people want to see themselves on screen. I think that when it comes to seeing myself and seeing other queer people on screen, then teen movies were the first place that I went to probably because those were the movies that I like loved the most <laughs> growing up and, and also feel the most universal. I think that no matter how old you are or what your gender is or your sexuality is, everyone can relate to a teen movie to a certain degree. I didn't even realize, I guess I had associated teen movies so near and dear to my heart because I watched them 
semi around that age. But in reality, I actually still hold them close to my heart because I think that that time in your life, the stakes feel so high. And so everything just feels important and it is important. And so playing within that world and that genre is just so fun because I think everyone's on board. Well, that's why Olivia Rodrigo music like hits so hard for anyone of any age, but older millennials, especially because Olivia, if you're listening, (laughs) no, because it's like that time just feels so unnecessarily emotional and it's easy for people to put themselves back in those, or maybe not easy, but there's a frame of reference that you can, you know, put yourself back in uh, when you're watching these youthful stories. Speaking of teen movies and how we're growing up during uh, what I would say is like a golden age of the teen movie canon in the 90s mm-hmm. and early 2000s. Can you talk to us a bit about some of your references for Bottoms or any sort of inspo that you had? Yeah, I mean, I do think the late 90s, early 2000s, the Kirsten Dunst era was the heyday of teen movies. Everything from the super campy cult classics like Drop Dead Gorgeous. I never liked her, but... She didn't deserve to die in the belly of a swan like that. And Dick. You can't let Dick run your life! Bring it on. This is not a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. Jawbreaker is like, there's those like campy, female-driven, often dark kind of movies. And then there were like the male-driven comedies like American Pie, which I loved growing up. And then, you know, I mean, 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That. I think that... As we got into the early two or the mid 2000s, you know, we were very lucky. <laughs> I, I And I mean it like she's the man and mean girls felt really female driven in a strong way that was like complicated and fun and silly and stupid. And yeah, got to sort of place these these women at the center of these like funny ensemble movies that had also like a little bit of edgy humor to them, despite the fact that they were PG-13, you know, like especially Mean Girls. And then there were still more, not bro-y, but there were more boy-driven um, teen adventure movies also around that time. Like Kick-Ass is one of my favorite movies and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, you love an adventure movie. I love any saving the day fighting to get the girl, fighting to save the world and doing it with your friends and being stupid. And then, of course, super bad, which right. just changed the game in terms of just how funny teen movies can be. Yeah. Just how funny the teen sex comedy can be. I mean, American Pie was hilarious, but super bad. That changed the genre as well. This guy's either going to think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25 year old Hawaiian organ donor. So, what's it going to be? I am McLovin. <laughs> Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I feel like a lot of the things that I'm seeing because I famously will consume absolutely any piece of content that is both teen and queer, is that a lot of the storylines are kind of moving away from showing sex or horny characters. And maybe this is because for so long, that was like the only thing that was focused on. Like people are just obsessed with like, but how do queer people have sex? So it's either like a coming out or a traumatic story, or it's like so dripping in sexuality that there's no nuance and they're not complete human characters. Is that something that you're noticing as well in terms of queer representation, horniness versus innocence, all that jazz? Yeah, definitely. I understand that critique of sort of telling queer stories that go beyond what our sex lives look like and how sex works and trying to explain that to a straight audience. But I think that when it comes to telling queer stories for young characters with young characters, I'm very grateful for the amount of progress we've made in queer representation over the last even like five to 10 years, you know, but I think that there's almost been a little bit of a course correction because for so long, 
not to get like too deep into it, but queers were in media or in our culture seen as perverted and mentally right. ill and on the outskirts of society and fucked up. And so our media representation has done a 180 where we're trying to showcase that queers, especially queer teens, are human too and right. aren't just sex obsessed perverts and right. have emotions and have crushes and have innocence and have sweetness and have problems in our lives. But I just don't know, especially in the world we live in today, any teens that aren't having sex shoved down their metaphorical throats, like right. sex is everywhere. And it's talked about so much and it's fed to us through so much media when we're young. Um, and the talking about sex, whether or not you're having it or wanting to have sex or not wanting to have sex or thinking about the pressure to have sex or whatever, like is so pushed upon young people. So I can't relate to a world in, in which you're a teen and you don't know about sex or have any interest in talking about it or yeah. thinking about it. And so in telling stories about teens in general, I just think that that sex is part of it. You said that like you definitely saw yourself in Jewish characters, but was there ever like even before you were out any sort of like queer representation that made you think, oh, that's something else. Because I feel that way sometimes when I'm watching things now where I'm like, I wonder, would I have come out sooner if I had all of these shows and movies? Yeah, it's it's not as simple as like, oh, I'm in high school and I see a gay movie and I go, oh, that makes sense. That's me. Right. Which um, is often the conversation about representation. Like it is so important and it does matter, but it's not so simple as like, and then I see myself represented and now I know who I am and I'm okay with it. And I'm so okay with it. No, it's going to introduce <laughs> a lot of questioning, existential crises. Yeah. But did you, was there anything that kind of sent you spiraling like that, that you watched when you were younger? I didn't have anything that sent me spiraling, but I definitely felt like when I would catch moments of, of queer women on screen, it would freak me out and <laughs> make me feel like, honestly, like disgusted a little bit. I would never say that wow. out loud or anything, but I, yeah. I, I think that one that probably has to do with a lack of just a lack of representation, like queer men have been advancing on screen quicker or, you know, historically more than queer women. And two, also, because clearly there was something deep down that was ashamed or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I remember catching like bits of But I'm a Cheerleader or Debs on TV and being like, Ugh. I think the biggest moment, which is such a cliche, but when I saw Jennifer's body in theaters, I think I was mm. 12 or 13. And during that kiss between Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, I remember feeling horny and was yeah. freaked out. I was like, this is not good. Um, and I You're like, that Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, mm -mm, this is not appropriate. Like, I see men and women kissing all the time and I don't have this feeling. Um, not that I was thinking that consciously about it, but right. I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> that I, sound. I think that I found it easier to watch and enjoy storylines with queer male characters mm. because it allowed me to see something I hadn't seen where it was like touching a part of my soul and heart, but it wasn't so close to home where I saw myself and got freaked out. So 
As we're wrapping up from this super fun and flirty combo with my bestie, um, I guess my question to you, Emma, is like, what do you hope to see from queer filmmakers like moving forward? Like, what are you kind of excited about? What do you want to see on screen? Honestly, like, I don't, I'm just more, I'm just so excited for queer filmmakers to make whatever they want to make and to indulge in whatever their imagination wants to to sort of provide to us that we're lucky enough to receive. I think that I would love to see more queer characters just like live in their lives. I know that sounds so basic, but I think that the more specific the representation is, is the more universal it is. For sure. I think I'm most interested in seeing queer stories that are highly specific, that give us windows and peaks into queer people's lives in their relationships and in their communities and in their friendships, because that is the way that I sort of discover my queerness and and more about myself and and what it means to, you know, um, to be queer or or, or be in a community that's, that's, that's not part of the mainstream. So again, I'm excited to see whatever it is that queer filmmakers want to do in the next generation, but, um, I'm most excited, I think, into continuing to tell intimate queer stories that feel highly specific and therefore more authentic and and universal. I love that. I love that too. Susie, you and I are back next week. What do we have in store? I've been dying to talk about a scene in Devil Wears Prada that has me thinking about women and work and ambition and honestly, my own ambition. So that's what we're gonna get into. Ooh, can't wait. This is In Retrospect. Thanks for listening. Is there a pop culture moment you can't stop thinking about and want us to explore in a future episode? Email us at inretropod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at inretropod. If you love this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you hate it, you can post nasty comments on our Instagram, which we may or may not delete. You can also find us on Instagram at Jessica Bennett and at SusieBNYC. Also, check out Jessica's books, Feminist Fight Club and This Is 18. In Retrospect is a production of iHeart Podcasts and The Meteor. Lauren Hansen is our supervising producer. Derek Clements is our engineer and sound designer. Emily Marinoff is our producer. Sharon Atia is our researcher and associate producer. Our executive producer from The Meteor is Cindy Levy. Our executive producers from iHeart are Anna Stump and Katrina Norbell. Our artwork is from Pentagram. Our mixing engineer is Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing help from Mary Dew. We are your hosts, Susie Banakaram and Jessica Bennett. We are also executive producers. For even more, check out inretropod.com. See you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. 
Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.